Welcome to Careers in Crescendo Lessons for Musicians. I'm your host, Jeff Dunn. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Stephanie Tatewa, a multidisciplinary jazz artist and educator. This fall, Stephanie released her debut solo album, Journey in Passion, which was funded in part by an IML mentorship grant. In this episode, you'll hear Stephanie discuss the inspiration for this album, as well as her experience and lessons learned creating it. At the time we chatted, Stephanie was on the cusp of graduating from Eastman, so you'll also hear about her final semester as a student and what is coming next. I think you'll really enjoy hearing about Stephanie's journey and learn a lot about what goes into creating an independent album of original music. Enjoy! So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background first. What was your journey like getting to Eastman? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, and thank you for funding the project for me. Well, to get to Eastman, it's been a long journey because I grew up in Japan for the first 10 years of my life, and because of my parents' work, I moved to Westchester, New York, and in fourth grade, once when I moved to the States, I was required to play an instrument for band, so I picked up the saxophone. And then I went to go see Broadway shows in New York City, and I was really inspired by the music. And I went to go see The Pit, and I saw a saxophonist playing all the woodwind instruments. So I've always dreamt of doing that. I picked up the other woodwind instruments. And once I was applying for college, I saw that for a jazz program, students are encouraged to learn other woodwind instruments too. And I was looking at jazz programs, and I got to know um, Professor Charles Pillow, whom I really loved getting to work with. So then I auditioned for Eastman. I actually auditioned for classical and jazz departments because I couldn't choose which one to do. And I, I was accepted into both, but I thought I, I was getting more and more interested in the jazz genre. So, yeah, that's how I got to Eastman. So was fourth grade your first year of schooling in the U.S.? Mm-hmm. That, it was. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? What was that experience like for you? Mm. Were you familiar with U.S. customs and mm. you know uh, English prior to coming to the states? No, not at all. Actually, I had some English classes at the elementary school in Japan, but they really counted because when I got to um, to the U.S., the way people spoke was just totally different. So we just learned a bunch of dictionary, like dictionary language or British English. And it was, yeah, like when I got here, people spoke a lot more casually and there were some terms that I just wasn't familiar with at all. And my grammar just wasn't good. My pronunciation was really like not there at all so yeah it was a lot to learn and um I I've thought a lot about my like cultural identity which actually connects to this whole album project too but um something I noticed was in Japan people really go for conformity and everyone's really expected to look like like look like each other like act like each other and you really don't want to stand out from others. But in the States, you know, the culture culture really calls for, like, individuality and, like, embracing your own, like, unique creativity. So, 
that's like a major difference that definitely was a challenge for me to get used to. And yeah, it was, this is connected to the um, album because I wanted to create something that, that I really felt strongly about. And that's something that I got to really realize at my time, during my time at Eastman. Also much happened, of course, with like COVID. And one thing was, like, I really got to get, get really close with my classmates at Eastman because right after COVID, I realized how much I, I've missed them. And we hung out a lot. And, like, we spent a lot of time in the dining center, like, until past, like, way past midnight doing homework together or, like, making music together. And, or we went on a lot of, like, nature, nature activities in upstate New York. Um, And so because of this bond, um, I really wanted to make a project with the people that I got to play with for four full years, which I think is something really unique. It's interesting that you cite a challenge coming to the U.S. in um, the difference in the culture of the individuality, but it seems on some level like you've embraced that as a jazz saxophonist, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're, you're certainly um, putting your own personal uh, interpretations into playing tunes and Im- improvising and stuff. Can you talk and speak to that a little bit and what that journey was like to develop your own voice that's unique. Yeah, for sure. I have been thinking a lot about this flying for grad school now. I am thinking about what exactly I want to do in music and with my music and what I want as my main focus kind of a thing. Definitely was a challenge. I remember even playing classical clarinet in middle school my clarinet teacher in the States was like, break out of your like Japanese shell. Because I was really like timid and he could tell that in my playing too. So I wasn't really letting things go or like letting myself express musically enough. Um, and I like didn't know what he meant at all. I was just trying to be polite and like just polite to my teacher but then I noticed um at Eastman studying jazz I really did learn that I first had to emulate a lot of different players so that I could be flexible I knew what exactly to do on the instrument technically to create different chambers and different articulation and different style and all the nuances but then once I started writing some, my own music, which was, it started with um, class with Professor um, Darius Terefenko. I did individual studies with him and also theory classes. And he really inspired me to start writing my own music. And I had so much fun and really realized some of like my biggest joys came from writing my own music. And that also went hand in hand with how I wanted to play in terms of just, yeah, like I did a lot of transcribing at my um, time at Eastman. But then then once I started writing, I kind of started thinking about how I wanted like put those two things like together, the playing and the writing. You cite 
all of the uh, inspiration of these Broadway players, multi-woodwind performers, right? Uh, and you've already cited here that you've uh, started by middle school, you were playing clarinet too. When did you introduce those other instruments into your uh, vocabulary? Ooh, um, honestly, that on- also only came in, like, I realized that, like, towards the end of my time at Eastman, because I, I had um, practiced a lot of like orchestral clarinet through middle through high school. I always knew I wanted to mainly focus on saxophone. But then once I got to Eastman, I had so much to learn um, on just jazz saxophone that I like barely had the time to play any clarinet. But then after COVID, I just had a little more time um, because it was online classes. I transcribed this uh, Benny Goodman solo. I think it was on St. Saint Louis Blues. And then I was like, and I listened back to myself and I thought, oh, it actually sounds like better than I thought. <laughs> so then it became fun. And I brought the clarinet to uh, Charles Pillow's lessons. And he really kept on encouraging me to do that. And I played a tune on clarinet on the senior recital. And I plan to continue to yeah, keep playing those, and hopefully I'll play those on like for my original music too. Did you have musical training and education in Japan before you came to the U.S.? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I started piano when I was three um, in Japan. So my mom was taking piano lessons, and apparently I told her that I wanted to play piano too. Um, so I started with the same teacher that my mom was studying with, <laughs> um, that, but my mom made me practice piano every single day, no matter what, and so I hated the piano <laughs> until she stopped telling me to practice, um, or more like until I got better at her, so she couldn't really tell me anything um, on the piano, which gave me so much more freedom and it just opened up so much for me, honestly. And I I think about this a lot too, but like the main way that people teach music in Japan versus the way, you know, people teach music here. And of course, like we can't generalize it to like one word for each country. But generally in Japan, um, music is about like work ethic and just consistency, like perfection, and just accuracy. Um, mostly because uh, there's a lot of classical mu- music there. Not as much jazz. There is a great. There are great jazz players, but it's just not as much as um, classical. And yeah, but then I got here, and once I started practicing jazz. I realized that the most like genuine form of music is created from like pure joy from playing and like just creating your own music. And that's something I never got in Japan, like with piano lessons or I went to like after school, um, kind of like a prep preparatory conservatory like prep school. Um, but it was just really tense vibes all the time and very different from what I felt playing with my friends and professors here. So that's also been a big realization for me. Now, you're on the cusp of graduation here. At the time we're talking, we're 
near the end of the semester, you've been student teaching because you're actually a dual degree student, right? You have a, your jazz degree, but then also a music teaching and learning. Can you tell us just a little bit about what your experience as a student has been like as a dual degree student? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that I got did the double major. I actually added the music ed one degree when I was a sophomore, so I didn't enter as a double major like most people do. But um, my professor and music ed advisor, Dr. Azara, really encouraged that I do both. And I'm really, really grateful for that because it's cool how Dr. Azara is also a jazz musician and his whole music ed um, philosophies around the concept of creating and improvisation. So I've definitely drawn a lot of um, connections between the two degrees. So, yeah, it, it has been really great. It sounds like you've certainly been busy the last couple of years, <laughs> but it's good to hear it's yeah. worth it. Um, and for those who are interested in learning a little bit more about some of the music teaching learning department philosophies, um, our episode with Megan Goodsell also t- chats uh, in, in some detail about that. I encourage everyone to have a listen. So on top of all of that busy schedule that you've had, you also pursued your own projects, your own ensembles, and your own recording, Journey and Passion, right, which just came out on October 1st, I believe. Can you tell us a little bit more about that inspiration to create that album? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, really the main inspiration was to actually put out my own works um, outside of Eastman. Um, I was, I am pretty hard on myself, so I'm rarely proud of my works, (laughs) but something I was proud of, um, was the pieces that I wrote, um, studying at Eastman, and like I said, with, uh, studying with Professor Terefenko, so, and these, I was proud of these because I drew inspiration from a lot of different concepts and they were, a lot of them are from different cultures, um, like Japanese or different like African-American rhythms, different scales from um, many cultures. So I I just thought, I, I just saw um, a theme in across what I was creating and I thought that would be it would be really cool to get to come up with a project so that I can all put them all in like one thing and uh, present it to other people and also a few years ago I got to go see Artemis which is an all-female jazz it depends on the tune but quintet to but they're all female musicians and they were playing at Birdland in New York City and that really was the first time I saw an all-female jazz group and I am not really like a necessarily a big feminist I'm kind of flexible with a lot of things um, in that I do believe that music is number one and that if the music or all the other your responsibility and everything's there that you can become successful and I know that's just like idealistic but what I'm trying to say is that um it's not like I'm always inspired by um a group just because they are all female but this was really really inspiring because every single person 
was really is a really great musician, and they just present they all of them present themselves as really confident and really capable, like musically musically capable and just really really cool people, all of them. So it was really inspiring, and I thought that especially young young people that are, that are trying to become musicians it really makes a big difference when we see like someone like us that are performing and especially in the recent few years i was working with some little kids at music schools in the area and i could tell that they were inspired even by me like just teaching them like very basic piano skills or basic saxophone skills. So I thought, oh, maybe if I release music, um, I could tell those um, younger people that something like creating a project like this, it really is possible if you put in the work into it. And I just thought it could be an inspiration too, just like I was also inspired. Are you a rising junior, senior, or graduate student ready to enter the profession? Expand your opportunities with the Eastman Leadership Academy. Join us online next June on a full scholarship thanks to the generosity of Yamaha. The time is now to gain the tools and network to launch your career. Apply by March 31st at musicleadership.org. And the album's entirely compositions you wrote is that correct mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that process then how do you mm. how did you go about composing all of those works yeah mm. oftentimes I start from writing melodies either on piano or on the saxophone I'm a big melody like I, I really love melodies <laughs> a lot of people so start writing from harmony just playing around with different chords on the piano which I normally don't really do I start with melodies but for one of them it's actually the first track of the album um clouds that one I I made like an assignment for myself to work more on harmonic knowledge because I thought I always tend to go with melodies and I wanted to work on you know, learning more about harmony. So that, yeah, that one, I told myself, okay, I'm going to uh, decide on one harmonic concept and write a tune from it. So I looked at some um, harmony from the Romantic era. So like Chopin or like, there There was actually one page from um, yeah, Professor Terafenko's textbook where there were ex yeah examples of um, different harmonic cadences of different composers. So I looked at a few cadences of a few composers from the Romantic era, wrote, and I drew inspiration from that, and yeah, came up with the harmony, and then wrote the melody for that tune. But another one is um, Sakura Sakura, and that is originally a very simple Japanese folk song, and my grandpa used to play that song on the harmonica in Japan and he also loved John Coltrane so I thought maybe I could combine those two it was like in his living room and he was always playing records 
like John Coltrane records, and he would also play Sakura Sakura on the harmonica. And he passed like two, two falls ago. So like I, I wanted to create something out of that. Yeah, Sakura Sakura is in three. So I kind of was thinking of my favorite things from Coltrane, and then it kind of sounds like that. When you wrote the music, I mean, you you cite that you've been working with your peers for several years. Did that factor in at all? You knew the ensemble and the band that you were writing for. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. Because mm-hmm. I love my friends from Eastman so much, and a lot of them sadly had left Rochester, and they're all over. Um, yeah, I just got so close with them personally but of course musically I would play with them like literally every single day and I know that some of my professors play with like the same people like really often even as professionals but I think getting to play with each other every single day is on another level (laughs) for four straight years so I thought that's such a special thing I got to have and I thought I I need to record this before everyone leaves Rochester so that's why I tried to do it in the spring or like we did it right after finals before graduation so yeah I wanted to time that well so it was like an end of Eastman like celebration record too (laughs) and where does the title of the album come from please tell us about that yeah for sure so Another message I wanted to put in the album was the album is a representation of my journey in the passion of music. When I, when I moved to the States, I really had a hard time adjusting to all the things here. But when I started the saxophone, my peers in elementary school, they actually started to recognize me as someone. Um, and I wasn't just like a random girl who couldn't speak anything. Like I wasn't like a random quiet girl anymore. So it was a big deal that, you know, I got to actually be someone because of the saxophone once I had moved here. So I really believe strongly in that of if you have something that you're skilled at or that you stick to, even in um, times of challenges, that will really help you get to places. And I think that's kind of like an overlooked idea. And we all are doing music at a place like Eastman, and it's hard to notice that because every single person is doing something special. But in the bigger picture, like when you're thrown into a totally different environment, it could really help you um, socially and everything else too. So yeah, that that is actually like the big main message I wanted to put in. And so hence journey and passion. The journey starting from when I moved to the States, started the saxophone, and then it evolved into something like I really, really... I'm passionate about, <laughs> yeah. So you knew you wanted to make the album. You had the ideas. You had, I, I trust, some of the inspiration for the, the, the meaning behind it, the, the tunes. You applied and received an IML mentorship grant to, to support the project. 
what were some of the challenges you faced going through that process of, okay, now I'm, I'm working on it. I've got, I've got some of the funding and some of the means to make this happen up until the recording. Mm-hmm. What were some of the challenges you encountered along yeah. the way? Yeah, there were so many challenges because it was super unexpected. Everything on the way was really unexpected. So I made a timeline for the application, which I thought was, you know, pretty thorough or something, <laughs> but it turned out it wasn't um, because, well, there were a few things that I just could not plan out at all because I just didn't have the access or didn't have ways to reach out to certain people and confirm the times of certain things. Like a big example of this is I tried to book um, the recording space at Eastman and I thought I'd be able to um, book it way in advance, but turns out I can only book two weeks in advance. So that, on I think, was the hardest part because... As all musicians know, um, scheduling rehearsals or recording sessions with the bandmates um, is the hardest thing ever, uh, especially when I needed... Oh, Rich, Rich Thompson, what the drum professor, was on it too. And I wanted to, you know, be respectful of his time and, of course, everyone else too. They're all busy. It's at the end of the school year. And I was trying to rehearse like three times plus the recording session. So it was just all really um, chaotic. But I just tried to be as organized as I as I could. Um, and in terms of just keeping them updated when things, uh, when, when the options of recording dates might be and asking them to leave those open and then trying to narrow it down from there kind of a thing. Uh, so that was like the first big challenge I faced in this process. And some other things were just, I used CD Baby and Disc Maker. So I used CD Baby to do all my digital distribution of my music. So to do that, though, I had to put in all the, like every detailed information regarding each song, like how long it is and which part of the song I want um, all the streaming platforms to play for as, as like the preview and listing all the musicians on each tune, um, getting all the copywriting done through BMI, registering for BMI. One reason I wanted to do all my originals was that I didn't want to pay for, um, what, oh, what is that? Right, royalties. And yeah, yeah, royalties. Yeah. So that's another reason I wanted to stick to all my tunes. Um, so that, that was one less thing to worry about. But And then I used disc makers to make my physical CDs. Um, and so my, my sister, fortunately, is a graphic designer. So she did all the designs for free for me. But there were also specific requirements in terms of designs. So I had to send all that to her and all the logos, like copywriting and things like that. I just had to go find my resources, like actual CDs, and then check what things I should put on my own CD. 
and then yeah budgeting is another thing I had to look at a bunch of different options and then going through rounds and rounds of mixing and mastering with the engineer was also it took a lot longer and um, things like that was a lot but I was really satisfied when it was done. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're happy with the product, but you cite well for anyone, you know, going through things like this. We always try to be well planned in advance and the timelines always maybe become problematic. Things happen, very understandable and certainly a good reminder for all of us in the Eastman community that no matter what, we're always beholden to the concert office's policies and yeah, booking space. We know it's it's at a premium. It's a challenge sometimes. So very, very, very understandable. Um, tell us a little bit more about your experience applying for and receiving the IML mentorship grant. Yeah, I remember I came up with this idea of recording, doing this recording project in, that was so summer 2022. Yeah, so in probably July or so, I was looking at Eastman grants to get funding for a project. And beginning of September or so, I realized that there was this grant, IML um, mentorship grant. And big part of why I wanted to do this, another reason of it, is that I wanted to go through all these steps, like myself, to learn about what it takes to release music. Another thing I didn't mention was deciding if I wanted to go through a record label or not. And I had like two-hour conversations with um, with a friend about this who did go through a record label and like all the pros and cons and th- things like that. So in September, yeah, I decided, okay, I want to do this. And, and because it's called a mentorship program, I was really interested in getting feedback through the process which I really did get to have a lot of so I'm really thankful for that and I was I'm really happy about that too um and then yeah there was one introduction session for the grant so I went to that and which was really informative because it gave me all the information on what things I need to prepare and this was the first time for me writing a grant so that was really helpful. And then I got to come in again to ask you questions. And that was really awesome. And I just, like every time I was realizing how much detail I needed, how much research I needed for everything. So it was a really good learning experience there. And then um, I was really happy when I heard I got the grant. And then I was like, yes. <laughs> I was really happy. It's so great to hear you say that you very intentionally wanted to do this project yourself, right? And do it right. And and actually learn from it. And I think that's absolutely the philosophy behind some of our, our thinking at, at the IML, because we know the reality is when you're going to enter the professional world, you are going to do these things yourself, right? And this is a great opportunity. I I think you'd, you'd find that what we expect of the grant proposal to be very similar to, you know, other, other grants you'd encounter in your professional career. And this is the time to learn and, and build those skills and get, gain that experience. And um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that very much was your experience. And you're right. I am always so excited to hear about students' own creative projects that are beyond the scope of their degree. So I encourage everyone, come on down to the IML, make the appointment, and let's talk about it. 
What would you say would be your biggest takeaway from going through the whole project? And actually, now that you've finished and released the music and, you know, performing it and, and sharing it with the world, um, what would be the m- biggest lesson, perhaps, that you've learned that you're going to take with you into the next project? Ooh, I would say, like, not being shy to ask other people for advice. You know, for example, uh, regarding the going through a record label or not, that was a big thing I was really confused about. There are a lot of people who go through record labels, and someone I was helping out at Jazz, Jazz 90.1, and Derek Lucas encouraged that I go through a record label. And because he's, um, you know, great, like he works for 90.1, I wanted to like follow what he his advice and make that happen but then I didn't know that it costs a lot of money still to go through a record label it's not like they fund me completely so but that kind of an information I got to talk with um John Hasselback the, the third <laughs> he's um DMA student at Eastman he did a zoom call with me for like two hours telling me all the advice on it and he was just happy to talk with me about it and I also asked a lot of my professors for advice and I remember writing down on my notes in my phone like all the questions I had and sometimes I was I've always been someone who was timid to ask for advice from people but at a certain point if I didn't ask I just had like more and more questions added to my notes so then I was like okay I have to just go ahead and ask these people and when I do I mean it just totally I I could delete my question one at a time from the notes and just so helpful so I I think that was a big takeaway to just go ahead and ask people so you're student teaching right now. Mm-hmm. What has that experience been like for mm-hmm. you? What are some things that you've learned over the last couple of months? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the things I've learned that planning for lessons or classes is a lot. Um, <laughs> and noticing that or realizing that a teacher can just be a teacher and kind of do the job in managing a classroom and be that's it, um, do that's it. But like the really good teachers are those who really put in the time and energy into planning each lesson or class. And I know in even middle school or high school, students would say, oh, this teacher is in gray or like this, you know, I'm bored in this class. And now I'm realizing, oh, there is a reason for that. I mean, I can't really remember any teacher in specific or anything, but just in general, when people say that, there is a reason for it. And when students are engaged in a class, it is because of all the work that teacher puts in behind the scenes. And I fortunately have a really great cooperating teacher right now. His name is Matt Osika, and he's... um. Eastman graduate also and he really puts in a lot of work and energy into teaching and that's been a great inspiration and I've always thought I wanted to perform more but then realizing that teaching really really can be rewarding especially after a great concert and that kids really can tell when a teacher teaches well versus not 
even though they're not really being like like criticizing they can just naturally tell so yeah i'm just learning a lot about all the all the work that it takes to be a great teacher and kind of being appreciative of that so since you are so close to being done what's next for stephanie yeah um I was actually asked to go on tour with Glenn Miller. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But at the same time I I got the call one day after submitting my pre-screenings for grad school. <laughs> and um the tour is would be this spring starting in mid-January. Um throughout whenever I can go until. So I think I am I am still planning to go to grad school, hopefully grad school, in New York City area starting in late August or September. But if if the the audition schedule works out with a Glenn Miller band, I'm hoping to tour with that band for the spring. And if not, um, I want more teaching or classroom experience by like doing substitute substitute teaching in the public schools in this area. So for those who are, might be interested in staying connected with you and seeing your future projects and what you have going on in your busy schedule, how mm-hmm. might they find out more about Stephanie? Mm. Um, I also recently made a website, so that's stephanietatewa.com, or um, I'm active on Facebook or Instagram, um, just my name, stephanietatewa on Facebook or um the my username on Instagram is something my sister came up with and it's sexy underscore Steffi. So that's yeah, that's me and you can find me there. And we'll be sure to link some of this in our uh, podcast notes on the IMO website. And for those interested in uh, hearing your album, Journey and Passion, how can mm-hmm. we access that? Yes, they're on all streaming platforms like YouTube, Apple Music, um, Spotify, just so if you just look up or Amazon music, so if you look up my name and journey in passion, you can find it. And if you really want a CD, you can reach out to me on social media and I have been, I have been shipping a few CDs. So <laughs> yeah, that's possible too. <laughs> I always end conversations with alumni asking them to reminisce on their time at Eastman. And mm. at this point, you are just a few weeks away from being an alum, <laughs> right? So right. I will still pose that question to you. What are just some of your favorite and fondest memories of your time at Eastman? Mm. Honestly, um, hanging out with my friends in the dining center, which we, people call it the DC, and people complain about DC so much. And to graduates, they probably think DC is so lame. <laughs> but I mean, I just had so much fun hanging with people there, especially with COVID. We just couldn't really hang out in lounges or in each other's rooms. Um, so that was just the place. And yeah, that it's just really great. And all the recitals that I got to play on, like um, my recital was really fun. Um, but also playing on, getting to play on like my friends' recitals is, I think, is another special aspect. And attending everyone's um, degree recitals, especially, um, 
it it really made me really emotional last year because there are people that I was with for four years straight and I was like wow it really is the end I love these people and they're doing so great and so yeah really just interactions with my friends and I was really fortunate to have awesome peers at Eastman yeah speaks certainly to our community which certainly had an impact on your album as well and Mm -hmm. your 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 ensemble Mm -hmm. Stephanie thank you so much for sharing your story with us sharing your music with us and we look forward to seeing what's next Mm -hmm. thank you today's episode of careers in crescendo lessons for musicians was produced by Kelly Jetson The music was written and produced by Will J, and the artwork designed by Joyce Seng. As always, if you have questions, comments, or ideas for episodes, please contact us via our website at iml.esm.rochester.edu. If you like this episode, share it with your friends and colleagues and leave us a review on your preferred streaming platform. This podcast is a production of the Institute for Music Leadership at the Eastman School of Music. The views expressed in the podcast are the interviewees and do not represent the Eastman School of Music or the Institute for Music Leadership. From the IML, I'm Jeff Dunn. See you next time.